Here we go. Hey, hey, what's up? Uh, I think most people are familiar with Phantomite by now. My, uh, one of my favorite CSM members for sure. Yes. Brit's gonna kill me if I say you're my favorite, but kind of my favorite. That's, that's, that's all I need. I can quit now. That's all I here for. Um, so most, most people are, um, Pretty familiar with with Phantom Mind, so but then also we have a captator uh, on today, who who is the main FC for um... Logi. I sub. Oh. I I do Logi, but I don't do main. Yeah, but an old uh, FC has been around for a long time for dead terrorists, and uh, I believe dead terrorists. It's like a group I don't know exactly. Like I've seen, like I've seen it uh, every now and then, everywhere, even in high sec, right? But Maybe what exactly, a... what exactly does that terrorist? Do? I, I don't, I don't know if I can put you guys in like one distinct box. Uh, so, could you, yeah, could you explain what actually what that terrorists do? So uh, we've done a lot of things over the time we've been around. I think. Dead Terrace was founded around 2009. So we were in LOSEC for quite a while. Um, so people might, from sort of early 2010s, uh, know us around Hagelur. Um And then we were out in Null for a bit. We got paid a, a solid amount of ISK to go and fight on someone's behalf. I wasn't playing at this point, so I'm sort of talking about history I wasn't present for. Um, and that didn't kind of went interesting and then uh the the kind of the general sent, uh, consensus was that that was not that was not our thing being in, in null and owning sov and uh etc was not not really our bag and then um more recently i'm going to kind of skip over a few things um we've been in wormhole space so we were in a c3 wormhole with a null sec static for um all of uh, 2018 and 2019 and most of this year. And we just moved over to a C2 wormhole with a NullSec and a C5 static. Um, and most of what we do is uh, we we crank the handle, we roll our NullSec wormhole, um, and we try and fight things in null. So we we often tackle Rockwells or Capitals to um, you know try and Either get a nice frag, then hopefully some dank loot, or uh, or a fight fightable response, um, and sometimes that response is forty super carriers, um, and it's not very fightable. And sometimes that response is one hundred and fifty harpies. That's the last time we we're in Delve, um, and yeah, that also isn't very kicks. fightable. <laughs> but sometimes um, we get a, you know a sort of a small capital fleet, or we get a, a sort of a medium size. A sub capital fleet or you know some combination of the two that we can we can we can have a fight and you know hopefully we're we're bringing as much content as we're receiving to uh to nullsec space um the the high tech stuff was uh basically we got roped into a a war against pirat as was um by some friends and uh ended up having a few fairly fairly bloody brawls there's a as a fairly long three-part AAR on Reddit that you can find if you search for my name. My user is the same as my uh, game name. Um, 
found a few uh, interesting uh, holes in the war deck system that uh, some of which might have been fixed since. But yeah, that was that was very much a side project. Most of what we do. Are you looking for those holes? Uh, no, we were. Um, they were used them. against us. They were used against us. So we uh, I highlighted that. them. Yeah, that's when I think that was. I think it was you. I was talking to at the time. I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, that was when um, we we we'd pushed the Pirat uh, War HQ Astrahus into Hull, and. Uh, then we picked up a war deck from Test and a war deck from Pandemic Horde. And uh, I don't know if, you, uh, if you're intimately familiar with how many characters Dead Terrorist has in its alliance, but uh, it's, it's several orders of magnitude smaller than uh, Test and, and Horde. So we, we actually we used a trick that had been used against us earlier in the war. So we, um, we on the right before the timer, we all dropped Corp and joined another corporation that was also at war with Pirat from the same war HQ. And so uh, Test and Horde were left uh, rather ineffective on the grid, unable to shoot anyone while we uh, closed things out. Yeah. But we, we we enlisted your help to uh, to try and bloody Pirat's nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, rem I remember, like usually people convoy, like, like I get convos all the time about like, hey, I got this and this opportunity, right? You can kill this super. Like, turns out he's in a post saved up, whatever, right? Like, I hate, I hate those those males. It's yeah. always no, definitely you'll you'll definitely get good kills here. And what they mean is, yeah, I need, yeah. to, I need you to come and blob these guys for me. Exactly, exactly. So sometimes, like, and then over like over the years, you get kind of a feel for like, okay, right. This guy, he, he knows what he's doing, so he knows he's not going to waste your time, right? He's also looking into the future, saying, like, he doesn't want to be like, like, oh, yeah, sorry, we just needed the blob to scare them off or whatever, right? So we never had contacts before, I believe, before that. Maybe, maybe like, on the side, something in local or whatever, right? But, no, like, we never really talked before that. But I recognized your name, right? So when you said, like, hey, like, we've got this in high sec and stuff, like... And you guys are at war and you guys are like one of the few people that could actually show up and help on this one right and it's against pirate i was like hmm maybe there is something to this right so we looked into that a little bit and i was like yeah sure if you find us a walmart you found us a walmart right into the system it's like yeah that was now, a now we have to show up right <laughs> so yeah we showed up and then you know tipped the scale a little bit i guess but so yeah, only a couple of only a, um about a month ago somebody uh with massive covert overtones invited us and wanted to chat to us directly on on voice on discord in a in a strange discord server and it was about it was about to be an amazing pvp opportunity and he started with like he thought it was a bombshell he's like this alliance very often flies 20 jackdaws and i know which region they're going to be in <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. oh thanks yeah you know what i also uh, always get is nowadays uh is low sec rockers people sending me screenshots of like look at this there's a lot of rockers here and i'm like 
I know, it's hard to tackle them in Lawsack, first of all. It's fucking, they're slippery, but they're even more slippery in Lawsack. Um, and then, obviously, getting to Lawsack, at the moment, it, like, there's so much shit going on, like, we barely have the chance to go, like, proper hunt, which kind of sucks. And um, to go for that one target, like, I usually, I don't do that anymore. I feel like to go for one target right now, that you have on the list the chances are that you just waste time right so we need several targets and it's hard to line more targets up so at the moment i feel like so what or what is your experience right now during the war do you, like do you feel the same there's a lot of targets missing can i ask you something else about these raw calls first what sized low set groups are you finding that are using raw calls well the biggest sized right that's usually snuff, I gotta say. So uh, the addition of uh, valuable mining to low sec has merely given the largest groups some fresh opportunities to pull in money, which encourages the further embiggening of said groups because they can bring in support overwhelming support and it, it, it's just a further encouragement to grow larger groups in low sec after it was added gg that is well, well that is true i totally agree and there were, it's kind of funny there was a discussion actually on my discord earlier today with the whole passive moon mining thing right it comes up every time you talk about it right and um yeah they need to look into it would be nice if they if they could look into it and then if they decide against it give us like give us some input like why like what do you think is it yeah. it's a bad idea and stuff like be a little bit more like because i feel like the longer this it stays like this the the harder it's it's gonna get to you know to have actually smaller groups in low sex there's been some really interesting chat on the CSM Discord as well recently about uh, passive income sources. Um, uh, Murray Rothbardo keeps basically poking the hornet's nest about it. Um, and I think one of the problems is that for a lot of the larger groups that have you know, well-organized logistical backbones and they have big industrial programs, et cetera, a lot of the guys who drive that and who kind of power the, um, the financial side of their alliances don't really understand why the smaller and the medium scale groups really struggle with it. So they see the, um, I'm kind of uh, paraphrasing, but there's this kind of this expression, well, you know, what you've done is you've taken a an old POS mining system, which was um, um, ISK that goes into the Alliance's wallet via, you know, selling the, the goo and you've converted it into a system where that ISK goes into your members' wallets, and then the Alliance still gets a tax cut off it. And they're sort of saying, well, isn't this a better system because you're enriching your your members and, you know, that's what gets them to feel chips and undock. And it, I, I mean, for, for, for my own take, I feel like it misses the point that certainly a lot of the a lot of, of our guys and a lot of the guys in groups of a similar scale and inclination to ours don't have any interest in doing any mining ever like mining is something to be fundamentally avoided at all cost as frankly is most pve most of us try and do you know the highest isk per hour shortest number of hours pve we we have available to us um be it you know sp or skills or like 
uh, you know, uh, like investment floor to get started in some of these things. And um, there's, there's this real disconnect where it's like, no, the, the problem is all of these content, all, all of these income streams require PVE content of some nature. And that is the fundamental barrier because we don't have people who want to do big industrial things. And they are the only other way that we would be able to carry the weight of SRP and, and ship replacement programs and set, you know, um, schemes of a more kind of nuanced nature. Like, you know, I remember there was a bit of a furore on the, on Reddit when uh, the initiative changed its SRP percentages slightly, <laughs> you know, like a, a small medium group, you have SRP on actually. like, I'm just saying. Right. Someone uh, pinged it out because we talked yeah. about it. He misunderstood. He's like, oh, we're cutting it from like 80% to 50%. Probably right. Didn't, okay. But, so, so, but like for, for, for us, we, we, we SRP dictors, we SRP tackle, we SRP logi uh, when we can, um, and we SRP like core holes, like links or any like recons that you need to make the doctrine function. We can't afford to SRP even on a small, on a percentage wise line DPS. So it, it, it's just like, there's, there's, there's this huge amount of, of, of structure and uh, wealth availability and obviously wealth begets more wealth. It's just taken for granted, not in a, um, not in a kind of intentional way. It's just like, if you don't, if you haven't functioned in a small to medium group in a long time, you, you are not, capable of understanding the realities of what is generation we have available to us on a group scale we might still have independently wealthy members um, but most of those income sources don't tend to be ones that can be scaled into making the alliance wealthy that might be someone who has for example a high class worm uh, wormhole farm hole um, you know so they are independently quite wealthy you can't just pull money out of them in any fair way to translate that to the alliance being able to fund things. I don't know, I'm kind of looping a bit here, but it, there is a real disconnect. Um, and I think that's part of the problem in the entire dialogue around passive moons or any kind of money tree-like system. Um, it, until until we succeed in in bridging that understanding gap i think it's it's kind of being it's kind of going to be screaming into the void cap yeah. what do you think what do you think the biggest uh thing that players say against passive moon mining what do you think is the players biggest loudest but one, problem with but once uh, one second before you do that i want to i want to just point out that whenever i talk to hai or tau and those are the, the, you know, the leaders of SNUF who are still the biggest LOSEC group. I mean, together with uh, maybe now, um, what's his name is catching up, Rocket X and so on, right? Are they LOSEC group? Are they a NOSEC group? I don't know, but they have influence in LOSEC. So Wrecking Crew, right? So they're a big group too. But uh, I and Tau, whenever I talk to them, they are both not happy with the active move mining. So they... Like they have been very outspoken and said like this is missing in, in LOSIC. And um, so I don't it's, know. It's, it's, it's simpler than that as well. It's there is nothing worth taking in LOSEC that you then want to defend because you want to keep it. Well, I mean, it's it's the 
there is no there's no kind of wealth generation system that requires solely a combat oriented defense over, over any yeah. kind of consistent player activity with it in a pve situation other than boils down to is that people you know somebody will say oh well why should pvp um be an indirect generator of of income and if 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 you if you boil these people down it's like how dare you make money from having fun i mean but the thing is that the precedent for having money trees exists with the um the citadel based market hubs right so the 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 tranquility trading tower is them often talked about like big you know absurdity for the null blocks because it's mm -hmm. the mechanics around it are so problematic that none of them want to fight for it they just want to share it because that's the easiest way of dealing with it um well i've got to be fair to them here i've got i've got to interject and say that you know i've i've spoken to uh i believe all the parties who previously briefly warred over um having the trade hub in 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 perimeter and it's the in high sec where the optimal ship is just to stack it's not interesting is, it's not it's interesting boring, and it, soul destroying it takes hours of doing a type of pvp that isn't interesting and is just soul crushing well i mean you've effectively you've turned pvp into an almost pve experience haven't you <sighs> yeah, it's just a in terms of how solved it is and that's kind of one of the fundamental problems with a lot of PVE. And it's certainly a problem I know a lot of people who are minded like myself about PVE have with it, that it is so solvable, like you find a solution and you just mindlessly execute it over and over and over and over and over again. And, and wishy-washiness of CCP, the, 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 the sort of nervousness and the, the staring at their feet as they shuffle around when you say something as simple and obvious to every single player. If you say something obvious like you should never have allowed keep stars to be anchored in high sec, they'll just be sort of quiet, they'll skip over it and they'll move on. Why don't they just do it? Just do it. And if they say, oh, well, we can't because there's already one there. Well, set a one year on anchoring timer for it and be I done with agree. it i agree i agree a lot the same goes for general limitation of citadels in every system i believe no system yeah. should have an unlimited amount of citadels and then okay. the same argument is going to come up right there's already citadels there now and how are attackers going to be coming in that's well, you such can give bad justification for not fixing the problem oh well they're already there you what want... a terrible justification for fixing the problem there's a really simple solution to this once you have a solid like pop cap system of whatever nature you know i think population cap on a um a constellation level rather than a system or a region level is more interesting because it allows yeah. you to fortify uh good econ economic systems or good chokes um and I think having a separate population cap for the three kinds of citadels is also interesting because then you can have, you know, you can focus your your building and your resource gathering and your kind of more defensive fortification like structures in different areas. Um, but what you could do is you could just say, right, well, um, you have a, a grace period like we've had with the citadel cores, which I think was a great idea. Like I'm really pleased that they went with a grace period um, and a staged introduction. 
um, and you just say uh, from from you know from whatever date they've chosen, uh, every structure in this system will slowly bleed hull at a rate of some percentage over some time interval. So I don't know one percent a day, probably faster than that. Um, and once enough structures are unanchored, that the you know the population cap is not exceeded, uh, they stop eroding and they repair. Well, you know, so, so there are, yeah, so it sounds simple, but that that also sounds like there's ways to exploit that, right? <laughs> but that's but that but that's and that the in, the way to exploit that is you go okay, I'm going to spam structures in my opponent's home to get their citadels to grind down. But what you've kind of done there is you've created a conflict, right? You've you've given a very concrete reason that someone wants to fight over all of these structures because if they're kept up long enough and enough of them are kept there, it will erode all of your structures. And and it's a more um, maybe it's a more interesting way of offensively using them because you have to core them now, right? So there is there is now a bit more of a trade off in just throwing them all down. So I agree that there is. There are there, there there is a solution for all these little problems that would come up with a limitation of citadels, right? What the exact solution would be? Would it be that bleeding structure? I would just I would just argue that's probably not the right approach, but maybe it is. I don't know. But there, I'm I'm pretty sure there is going to be there, there would be a solution if they would be looking for it. I think the problem but starts I, with are they looking for that solution? Because do they want to limit citadels, right? But there's there's also sorry, fans. I got, like sorry, a, I got a bit a bit a bit of an insight here on CCP's original mm -hmm. vision. Um, it's from when um, some players at a fan fest asked them in about the upcoming citadels, what they wanted the what they wanted space to look like with these structures. And CCP said, "Oh, we want we want there to be a huge city of citadels stretching as far as the eye can see," and. I mean, that initial, even the vision, not the execution, that vision sounds horrifying. And I, I, I don't know why they didn't take the, it is. the feed, feedback from on, on that horrible thing. I don't know why they didn't take the feedback from that seriously, but I guess that's the story of how development I works. Thought... I thought they had the old Titan mindset when they introduced Titans. Oh, there's always going to be just a few of those. That's what mm -hmm. I thought they were thinking, right? Like, there's going to be only like, five cheats right? in all of Eve, right? They're three hundred bill. Who's gonna like, you know, like, yeah, you know, put raw cards and the safety of mining and all that stuff into account, and then you end up with the situation, right? But yeah, I mean, I don't know the citadel stuff in general. When they first introduced them, they had so many flaws. Everyone could tell it's it was a it, it was a rushed kind of thing, at, um, concept wise, right? Um, yeah. There you go. I think one of the things that I think is really difficult for CCP with citadels, um, and I think you know, while there are lots of clear flaws in a lot of some of the implementations of various aspects of Eve, some of the problems that make these things, uh, you know, not work are actually really hard. And I think one of the problems with Cit there were two two big problems with citadels. Um, one where they took a very different ap approach to POS, and one that I think is just a problem that's become more of a problem as the game has aged. So 
but you've you've got groups that are of the scale of 10 to 20 people and you are trying to provide a citadel that works for a group of that scale so they have like an astrohus or they have a Raitaru or they have a you know an athenor and and that's like okay fine at that scale those structures work and everything's groovy and then you start going up the scale of organizations and let's just go all the way to the other end and you've got a group that has you know tens of thousands of, of players and they have multiple keep stars all over the place and then they have all of the other structures in untold numbers because at that level they are just you know oh we can throw them kind of down wherever we want and so how do you balance citadels for a group of 10 to 20 people and groups of thousands of, of people i mean they shouldn't be, they, they shouldn't get they shouldn't get better at their jobs the bigger they get they should i mean they, they shouldn't offer better efficiency in construction and things as they get bigger because that is just a straight calculation that the bigger your group the bigger your citadels and the better you can do so sucks to be you small guys you can't compete economically in any way with your small citadels yeah it's ridiculous maybe the it should be it should be the smaller the citadel the better uh, they can do Which the I job. know doesn't make sense from a oh, but in real life perspective. But this is a video game. Yeah, yeah oh. like game balance wise. But like they should be better the smaller they are. But also, obviously, smaller citadels have way less safety to them, right? So you're always less that safety point, aspect is a defenses. big thing. I mean, whether yeah. they should have defenses in the first place is another. But it's so easy to pause them. At the moment. Like it's so easy to pause like a Raytaro, right? Like, you can do that solo. So. I think one of the one of the levers that CCP uh, has at their disposal but doesn't make enough use of is uh, is using oh and then maybe they're coming back to it more because they are trying to regionalize resources but they you know you could have a setup such that you want to anchor a you know Tatara or an Athenor in the vicinity of a certain type of planet or in the vicinity of a certain type of geographical effect that is local to a particular aspect you know a particular constellation or region that makes it as strong as they are currently and then by default they're not as strong you know so you see so you you can create a system where yes you might be able to do really well with one of these structures or two of these structures but you can't then do 10 times as well with 10 times as many so basically you kind of cut off the scaling i think is i think it's not it's not fair to say um you've you've put all of this 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 time and this effort into getting this this painful to build painful to haul thing in place it doesn't work as well but i think what you could do is you could say proportional to its price it doesn't give you as much more because that's always kind of been the problem right that power and isk are supposed to scale so power is supposed to scale less and less and less the more and more isk you put in and you know and it put isk as a straight line and broadly it does but there are certain breakpoints where i suddenly have so many titans you can't fight me it, you know is the obvious like combat one i suddenly have so many keep stars that or suddenly have I have a keep star and then you have to be this high to be able to attack me, particularly if you know in, in if you're in null and you can use caps. Like wormhole space, a Fortizar is easier to defend than a keep star because you can't the grid is just too big. It's it's unworkably big at the player scale of a wormhole group. 
you know so that yeah you know if we had if we had limitations on locations you could put citadels if there was a choke to stopping you from sticking up a keep star in every single system then we wouldn't need to to wring our hands and and worry about asset safety making destroying people's citadels pointless you know asset safety would be completely fine and without problem if we could deny them the home i think denying somebody uh, entire people their individual assets is a stupid uh idea but i think denying them the home is is the key thing which is impossible with citadels because here's a grid with 100 on it hey thanks for the host hey let's welcome guys and, and about you citadels. that's not even on my list by the way guys <laughs> you can't you can't defang them either i think that's one of the problems i know a lot of um s smaller to medium groups in that th that live in null have like you I, I mean we have it too but for us it's less of a, a constant problem you know you warp onto a citadel grid like even if you tackle a rock at a, an anathenor you've suddenly got if it's well fit that it just knocks out x number of logi and that's just right okay well we you know, we came to the grid with eight logi, we now only have four, and thus we cannot hold any uh, any reasonable time if we have a comparable sized uh, subfleet come, which should be, you know, a, a good fight, but we just have to bail because all of our logis are out of action because of the newts and the jams. And that I think would be much more palatable if I could disable you know i could i could do some prep work and i could say okay right we're going to fight on this on this grid with this rock we, while you know these guys are panicking it go and start chewing on the on the athenor and take its heavy newts offline um i mean back i mean i think the, the key thing about the defenses on citadels is back when i were just a small boy you used people in ships in space to defend your structures not the structure well, you did use the structure to a degree, though. Like Not dick stars, remember those as ones? Impressively, as we do. Oh, come on, now. like big gem towers or like the insane. Hey, at least you could drop HP. capitals on them. At least you could drop capitals. On I do them. agree. I do agree, <laughs> and that's what we are missing too. Like so, when it comes to citadels, um, and then passive moon mining and all that stuff. I would just say, like the citadels we have, there should be a little bit more difference, a little bit more diverse in general, right? Like, why do we I, have three timers on an Athenor? Like, I don't get I it. Why isn't it just one strong timer like Posses were? And no damage cap. So much better at summing things up has, has come up with a good problem, a good explanation of the problem of citadels is citadels were not designed to replace Posses or replace outposts, they were designed to replace both. And so they have obviously gained the capabilities of both, of both which yeah. makes them incredibly unbalanced. They intend people to use citadels as somewhere to live, but they wouldn't want people's places to live to be easy to take away. But these citadels perform all these different roles of yeah. production, uh, various industry, uh, refineries, uh, a place to live, and also a defensive center all at the same time. And I think that this could easily have been avoided by just by just CCP admitting to themselves that they should keep those things separate and made an upwell outpost and an upwell pos shield and keeping the two things separate. It would have been easier to replace both and keep the balance uh, more intact, but I don't think 
I mean, yes, that's exactly what I said, basically, right? So, but you could still call it both at Citadel, right? It's not like uh, 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 they would have uh, had well, like, Upwell Citadel, yeah. Upwell Force Field, easy done. Yeah, like I don't know, I I agree. Like it should be, it should fill different roles and then be significantly different too, not just in like what's the damage cap and what's uh, what's the armament, right? I mean, yeah. tethering yeah. exists so that people who can't afford a keep star can still use capital ships. Yeah, I'm not even sure tether is a big problem. I, you know, I used I mean, to hate okay. tether. How, how, really. Without tether, how would you use a titan as a group without a keep star? Yeah, no, obviously tether. <laughs> yeah, tether has to be there right now, right? The tether I has mean, to be there, yeah. Otherwise, you can only I move should, titans at don't turn. Puzzles yeah. are still alive. I mean, something that, how do we do this back then? Very much <laughs> to see. We we have lost um, almost entirely. We've we've lost um, hunting, traveling supers. That's gone. Well, I would invite uh, what's his name, Radist on from LSH, but he's not comfortable speaking English, and like I don't understand Russian. But yeah, you could fucking sing a sing a song about that one because when citadels were not a thing and people used to travel through Iridia, ninety percent of people traveling through Iridia died, right? And back then, a super kill <laughs> was a highlight, right? People would make a Reddit post about that super kill, like "Holy shit, a super died!" So they would this kill is, supers all the time. This this kind of um, brings us to another point that I wanted to make about. Citadels, and I realized we're kind of spending ages on citadels, which is like maybe not all of what we're going to talk about. The um, one of the things that would be really nice about a population cap system of some kind um, is that that you wouldn't necessarily find a citadel in every single system in Null, because back when I was roaming around in 2007, 2008, you had systems that did not have stations in them, did not have any safe point that. A, um, a a ratter or a miner could flee to without taking a gate, and so one of the things you had as an option as a hunter is you could put tackle on gates when you knew there was something in the system, and you could try and then hunt them within the system. Now, yes, this might not be uh, the most fun for said P PVE player, although there were means at their disposal at the time, at least, to avoid that 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 hunting. But the the ability to effectively set up a meaningful gate camp in someone else's space, rather than you know in a low sec pipe or in your own space, has massively diminished with the fact that there's a citadel in every system, and so there is always a safe point. In every single system, there is a safe point. And to my mind, that's one of the things that has most changed in terms of how safe null is, that there is that safe point in every system. Rather than, you know, we when, when I remember doing belt ratting in uh, in Syndicate and, and Outer Ring in, in 2007 or so, and, you know, we'd have our, our standing fleet and we'd have, because at that point, very few people had alts, you'd have one person in rotation who would be on the kind of the, the like deep into the entrance because you might have three jumps to burn till you can get to it to a station. So you had to know with good warning, oh, there are people coming. Um, so, you, so you could then go, okay, I'll clear up the, the asteroid belt that I'm in, for example, or just, you know, leave it and, and have to make your way back. And you didn't have hyper rigs and you didn't have, we didn't have rigs period, you know, so, so getting yourself in say a, a ratting Raven 
back to safety could be a 10 to 15 minute task you know all the while you've got the you've got the oh you know there are four people in local other one of them's in an interceptor one of them's in a you know um you had all of that that anticipation and that um that adrenaline i guess hmm. in, in trying so, to kind of get safe i i do see your point but i don't think i agree that that would be necessarily a good thing right now because like we already got some nerves to uh to pve activities and uh, activities and stuff like this and i'm not sure i mean much at this point yeah yeah at this point it would be way too much yeah, right? I agree. if it was a different if like in 2007 it was way different right i think back then it might have worked i don't think you could make it work even with like significant changes i don't think you could make it work like that and have like a healthy um like a healthy balance between the PVE and the PVE uh, PVP um, approach, right? Yeah, what... I think I think that that's a fair comment, and 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 that's I feel like the low end income availability in Eve has been very consistent. It's kind of trended up slowly as things like incursions got introduced and exploration got introduced in the wormhole space, um, but it's kind of remained roughly the same. You know, you can you get an expectation of somewhere between 10 to 50 mil an hour, depending on what you're doing exactly in terms of repeatable PVE and where you're doing it. Um, but I think what's changed is the economic leverage that you have if you are the person doing, say, Ishtar ratting nowadays versus then, is that rich people now are very, very, very much richer than rich people were then in the majority. So you're kind of what you can get for the time you're spending ratting has gone down in terms of not in terms of what you can actually buy because obviously like um, battleships etc were very cheap with the the mineral glut from all of the rock calls but the power of a battleship in today's eve is significantly smaller than the power of a battleship in that you know a decade ago's eve so while what you can buy hasn't changed what you can do with it has come you know what, what power that gives you has has come down a lot so yeah reward needs to come up if you want to increase risk i guess i agree with that yeah you know what that kind of brings me to the uh, to the ess changes right because i mean they changed those and uh, from the start i said like the ess itself seems really good well balanced i was worried about the scram thing right you go in you're scrammed and i still believe people will adapt to that meta a little bit more so far i haven't seen it too much uh but people will go in there with like kaidi stuff right language nagas and stuff go Lots in and take range uh yes i mean you have seen like overprop has already been a thing but it wasn't like on a on a big scale ex that it felt like people are exploiting it too much right but like five nagas that go in and just take range what are you gonna do you whoop in there you're never gonna catch them that's fucking 100 km you can barely scratch them maybe they can warp anytime so like i'm still a little bit worried about it but it doesn't look like uh my um my concerns okay. were too 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 much like i think it's gonna take some more time to know for sure exactly what the the the, the deal is I, I i think that so far the ess content has been really a good addition 
and every edition can do with some iteration. CCP. Iteration is the key word. Um, whether we trust CCP to actually perform useful iteration or not is something else. But well, I they just did, though. We'll know yep. a little bit further. This, what this ESS iteration. Yeah. So I mean, so the this point is that I wrote an iteration. This is this is a this is a, a throwing away and a revamping of a feature. No. You can't. I, I do not count iteration if it takes four years to get it. No, wait, um, wait, 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 wait. What are you talking about? Wait, the, the small, the small patch where they changed the yeah. um, the delay on the okay. payout. All right. So which, let's... which I think was a positive sign. Yeah. So okay. you're talking about like the original ESS. Yeah. I don't even call that thing an ESS <laughs> anymore, right? That was something else. That was just some some structure anchored in a fucking NPC oh, site. I'm talking about the the slide. So for years they do something. Let's say they bring out citadels and they're like, yeah, but like now we've got the system, we can iterate on this. And let's see how it works out, right? But they always took too long, right? It always took too long. And on the ESS, it kind of felt the same, right? They had to get it right. And I think on the ESS itself, they did get it right. While on the risk bounty modifier, I think they they overshot it a little bit in the PvP direction, right? Yeah. And this time they actually iterated, which is super nice to see, right? That they actually follow up on it and say like, oh yeah, we, we're watching the numbers, we're watching the development. And then if we feel like it went too far, we're going to dial it back. And they did. And it was they just were... so good to see, right? So good to see. So okay, fair enough. I'll give them. I'll give them that one. There were quite a, <laughs> a few voices on um, on praise Bob because obviously uh, for the Nosek Static guys, particularly when you're in an um, like if you're the off time zone members or when you're midweek and you don't have as many actives, ESS is quite a, a it's quite an excellent content source for smaller scale wormhole stuff because you pop out a null and you you know you open up the agency and you can kind of see one you have an idea of recent activity because you can see how much has gone in and two you know where you might be able to provoke a fight because there's enough that it might be worth defending. So it's like it's it's a really nice way of empowering small scale content of that type. But one of the uh, the issues that that was discussed um, was that five minutes is fine if there is already a response of some nature ready, and it's just a, a matter of them having to go a few jumps to get to you, and where a few jumps could mean a very long distance with Ansiblex in their current state. I mean, that's a different point. Um, so just bumping that timer up a little bit just gives that extra bit of time where you might get something that's more engageable, like a kitchen sink form of the people who are nearby, rather than you get no response. Because really, you're, I mean, yes, you want the ISK, but you want you kind of want the, the, the content, you want the fight more. Preferably with um, both, right? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, if, if you had to if you had to pick, I would always take a fun fight over, you know, 100 millisk in an ESS. Um, and and so just that having that extra delay means that while you might still get the kind of like particularly Frat have been pretty good at like nightmare hell dunking people in their ESSs, um, you but you might get something in between a bit more, which I think was a a really good change both in that it matched what I was hearing and in that there is probably it's probably quite straightforward to find a metric to actually evaluate whether that change was a good one to tune that time because you know you can you can pull 
kills and you can you can look at um, player movement around an ESS that's been uh, you know that's that's ticking down on the CCP side and you can actually build quite a nice um, like data driven proof of what the DAT delay should be. Yep. I 100% agree. And then also with the timing, like, let's, um, let's be honest, right? Like a lot of people, they fill them it out. They end up in a system that might be good, maybe next door. They go in there, they uh, spool up on the ESS, and then maybe they have time to do it on a second one. And then the timer is take down. So I think uh, six and a half minutes, maybe they could push it up to seven, maybe seven and a half if they wanted to. But I think six, six and a half minutes might be just the sweet spot, right? Something somewhere in those along those lines. And um, yeah. so uh, it's really good to see that they're actually iterating on it, right? And I hope this is not like, this is not the, okay, now we got it all right and now they leave it. Like, no, 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 yeah. keep, keep an eye on yeah. it still, right? Like now yeah. we're all saying, yeah, it looks good, but nobody knows if it's actually good. And that's totally fine to not know. Like, keep an eye on it. And if it fucks up and if it doesn't work out quite as well and you think it's better, like, with a half a minute, a minute, minute more, don't be afraid to fucking uh, tweak it a bit more. It's not like you're, like... I, I always feel like sometimes they're afraid to admit that something was wrong. But it's not wrong. It's just not perfect, right? So, it, like, just keep keep on iterating and, like, make it make it perfect, right? Well, and but also, kind of exactly as you were saying earlier, where the meta is still developing, in terms of how people are going to handle the seventy-five k scram bubble, you know, the, et cetera. Yeah. Um, the perfect delay might be different at different points in time, and I think this is one of the other things. You know, you recognize that right is a condition of the time and the place not just a one-off evaluation. 100%. 100% right. The meta takes a long time to develop. People don't realize, yes, on day one, everyone knew that phantasms and nightmares are going to be strong because they have an AB bonus. But the exact way how to engage and who to engage how, right, That's play, that plays a role too. Like like you just said, fraternity no does the nightmare stuff uh, on a bigger scale. There's ways to deal with nightmares, right? So uh, maybe someone adjusts on, on that thing and then, you know, maybe they go away from nightmares and do whatever, AB domies, whatever they choose, right? Well, the thing about ships that are obviously in gigantically power, comparatively overpowered in certain situations is it does actually create a sort of equilibrium eventually where if you bring it, nobody will come and fight you. So people stop flying them as much um a bit like uh, my experiences in the last uh, over the last four years with gamas in faction war space um you don't see gamas all over the place constantly in faction war space because they're not engageable because because nobody will engage them everybody will just leave when there's a then there's a gamma coming and so you don't see gamas as much it doesn't mean that they are balanced it means that they're not as much of a problem because they're so powerful in a way which is weird yeah yeah i agree so i think that's why i think that's going to be the easiest reason why the ess's are not absolutely full of phantasms and nightmares it's because people just won't <laughs> yeah. I, I think i think there's an important point to make on the back of that in that 
um, where generally medium and smaller scale engagements tend to be more about having the fight for the fight's sake. I think there's a very strong uh, shift in emphasis on larger scale where it's about winning an objective. So I think that the logic of this is too powerful for me to get fights holds quite well when you're solo or when you're in a small scale. But when you go up to, you know, like initiative sites and, 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 and larger, I think the priority starts becoming more about do I win with this? And and so the the concern I would have in allowing something that is very, very much stronger in context to persist is that we are talking about a, a system that is in null where a lot of the mindset is about objectives and winning objectives. And I'm not saying there's anything inherently wrong with that, but when your goal is to win an objective, you take the breast tool for the job. And so you can kind of, when you shove that logic into a smaller context, you can deny yourself and other people fun by applying that logic. You know, you, you want to, you if you if you want to win, you turn up in X. If you want to have an engageable fight, you turn up in Y. But as your scale and how much you've got invested shifts, which one of those you prefer, I think migrates quite a lot. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't feel that uh, it's that that uh, people won't fight it is justification to allow something to remain overpowered in certain situations. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so since we all agree that the ESS is one of the best things CCP has done in a while, I believe that at least. Yeah. Um, they're also doing some other stuff, right? And that's something uh, that Phantomite is pretty uh, passionate about, I'd say, right? It's the CCP, like, SP selling part. Uh, I'm not particularly passionate about it, but I have been thinking about it a lot recently, especially since CCP currently has what I believe to not be a special limited period pack for sale where you can just straight up just buy sp made out of thin air i got that at the moment was it one and a half million i don't i don't even know about the numbers it's i a, just know it is I, a I thing it's, it's a one and a half million sp pack but it also comes with a cerebral accelerator as well and uh, in british pounds it's something like 33 or 34 pounds so it doesn't compare favorably to just subscribing and training um it's sp generated out of thin air straight up for sale from ccp but, and i think that there's a bit of a knee-jerk reaction when with with the subject of just selling skill points and i think that that knee-jerk reaction is that it is the absolute worst thing that could possibly happen but so isn't it part of a package that you can only purchase once per account? Let's look it up. So that's how I understood it. That's why I never talked about it. I don't have a problem with it. If it if it, if it is like I'm I'm saying, it's like 
you get a package as a new player or whatever, right? For like whatever, 33 pounds, and you get like a, cer a certain set of uh, SP. But that's it. You can't just keep buying SP, right? So, like, if it was like you described, you just put money in the machine, you get SP for as long as you want. Then I think there would be a massive issue there. But I don't think that's actually what's happening, right? Let's let 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 let's sort of sort of just just dig deeper in that. What's the issue that that would cause? If you would uh, get like endless amount if of it SP, was, if it was money. You give money, you get SP straight away with no. I don't know, to be honest. I haven't thought about it all, all that much, right? Technically, you could make the argument you could, in a complicated way, a way, set it up so you could have the same thing, right? So you could put up a skill farm and then, uh, and then extract I, and then I mean, get that for your money. Essentially, by buying Plex and then selling the Plex, and then by using the ISC you made to buy skill injectors, to an extent, yes, with its limitations, you can just buy skill points now. You can just buy skill points now, um, except the skill points were trained uh, on an active account. Yeah, but my argument would be, what if you, instead of, instead of taking your real money, buying Plex, then buying injectors, what about you take your money make accounts and skill then it's then it's still naturally created skill points but at the same time they only what's came the out need? of money in the first place so it's the I mean, same what, result yeah, what, what, again. what's the need yeah exactly what's the need really when we actually open this up for the skill points to have been naturally created and look look Shikoku said know. sp farms exist so CP, ccp is selling straight <laughs> so ccp is selling sp anyway it it's i i just i just feel like when this pack arrived there was the obvious although it was actually it, it was less outcry than, than than i was expecting to see there was the outcry oh well we so ccp is just selling sp now i guess that's the end of the game when really it's just a simplified version of what's been going on for years I mean, should SP be tradable in any way whatsoever is a completely different question because that's been here. How long's that been here for? Is that four years as well? Maybe longer? It has been a while. I think it's probably five years. Yeah. 2016 be, and Citadels, and I believe SP, that was before Citadels, right? So it, 2015. It, it's, it's just like, um, you know, if you think back to the start of the game, you had... Um, or a little bit after the start of the game, you had people spending money to train dedicated characters for a purpose which they would sell on the character bazaar. You got multiple levels of abstraction between I put money in and I get ISK out or SP out. Um, and then we go to skill injectors, which kind of streamlines that whole process of someone has trained a character to do a thing uh, into I have a character and I take SP that someone else has generated and I put it into my character and I make it the character that I would have bought off the character bazaar. And it, again, as, as uh, Phantomite has pointed out, you know, th that has a very clear pipeline between I put real money in and I get SP of some nature out. And like th the only thing that's changed really is, is that veneer of, and that middleman of other players. And, you know, frankly, when we move from character bazaar dominated um, 
kind of SP buying, if we're kind of going to call them all SP buying under some umbrella, um, what happened is that it became much easier to run very large skill point generating operations than it used to be. Because before you used to have, you know, you used to train an account um, with a character and then you'd sell that character. So it'd be like a long time paying in and the knowledge. And then you get a knowledge of what yeah. to do exactly. What skills are hot? What do people want on a character? What's a waste? Yeah, you know? I used to do that, by the way. Right? Yeah, I used to train up freighter charts because people thought it takes ages to freight, uh, skill into freighters, and it actually it doesn't. <laughs> it's quite fast. So so jump freighters and freighters. But I mean, but the crucial difference between the character bazaar and the uh, skill injectors, and this is a difference that isn't continued between directly selling SP and skill injectors is that suddenly the amount of SP available for sale suddenly ballooned, right? Because there's a demand for it. And now there's suddenly a, me a means of scaling that supply to match that demand rather than before where it was always supply gated. Um, whereas now, you know, you've got this whole economy of people with large skill farms will buy um, Plex and multiple pilot training certificates at particular points in the year, and then you know they'll, they'll do a whole effectively economic outlook, deciding when they're going to run their skill farms and when they're going to sell the injectors from those skill farms. Um, so I, I, I don't really feel that there's there's been any change in terms of how egregious or not the whole process is, but I think, um, and, and maybe Phantom might wanted to touch on this that. There is some hypocrisy in selling SP directly rather than through this player-mediated system, um, because you're then you're then putting your hand directly into the cookie jar rather than by the kind of the intermediary of the player market. Um, when you have things that are so essential that require SP, like CPU management five and power grid management five, you know that's a third of that 1.5 mil SP to get those two to five. And and you can't really fit or fly any combat ship in the game without them, you know. And, and a similar story for weapon upgrades and advanced weapon upgrades. Now, yes, they've changed it so it's you only have to go to four to weapon upgrades to get advanced weapon upgrades, and then you can go to four. You know, four four. You're mostly there for everything. Maybe you need a little bit of a an assist with an implant or downgrade to a compact somewhere. Oh, I didn't but, even know they changed that. But I mean, you, but you've got all these skills that are like you just kind of have to have at some point. Uh, and it's not like a it's not like an optional extra yeah i feel that i feel that that, that if 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 we if we're trying to find where the actual problem is this is perhaps one of the this is perhaps where the problem lies in uh, uh, for years ccp has been told that these core boring skills that you need i mean you know skills like training like um a, a frigate skill you you train it and now you've got something new you can play with awesome uh skills like advanced weapon upgrades and things like that it, it are things you need to do to be able to to operate these ship these ships properly they're not fun to train there's no uh sort of feeling that you're getting getting something fresh and new and exciting with everyone ccp has been told repeatedly that these core skills and the boringness of them is one of the new player experience problems and ccp has repeatedly acknowledged in public that yeah yeah I see how this is this is a problem. So for CCP to understand that that is a problem and to also directly sell skill points generates a huge conflict of interest. 
well, between uh, people between CCP getting money and CCP making the new player experience less painful. Because so, as we know, with all all uh, uh, freemium games that are out there, the Eve does have to compete with. Uh, they deliberately in those games put problems in that they know people will pay for, and that is where the conflict of interest is. With this. So my big concern is like where do you draw the line though right so you say there's skills that you need to learn and they're not fun to learn like just think back on learning skills that's the worst example right <laughs> yep so you had to learn yeah. the learning skills just not because you wouldn't fl be able to fly uh, any ship but you always know everyone else is learning way faster right so you learn those first right not yeah. fun so they remove those good step now you go to weapon upgrades and advanced weapon upgrades. You're saying, okay, most ships, you probably want to have those at least at level four, which is correct. But go, would you put them into the same category and say, okay, remove those skills? And then what about it, CPU management and power grid management? Do you remove those? Like, where I, do you stop then, right? So the where's the line? That. I can't give you the answer to how you make those skills how you Fun make the pain learn. of those skills go away. Uh, I, I don't think that removing them and essentially in a hidden way, giving everybody those skills straight up. Uh, just what they're doing, right? Uh, it's, it's a difficult problem, but as every year that goes by, it becomes a bigger and bigger problem if, because it's not being uh, addressed. So I think um, you, I don't think you the can fix it. To look at, but, they're, but they're not. <laughs> because they're still here after being complained about for so long. But so I... I, I think what CCP Sorry. did, just give me one sec. I, I think they did exactly that with those skill points, right? They're saying the skill points only to new player. Everyone can buy this package once, right? So every new player can get those 1.5 million SP or whatever, right? And that fills that, that gap, right? So they kind of, in a way, removed it, right? They've removed it by giving you the opportunity to give them money to remove the problem. Yes, but no matter how would you would do it, like if you like, yeah, the middleman is missing kinda, but I don't think it's that much of an issue. I really have to say I don't I don't see that big of a problem with this in in this particular case. It always is the the whole like are they opening uh, the fucking Pandora's box with this, right? Like, is this going to be like on this they works well? And then, box with skill point trading whatsoever. This is just a, yes. a, an evolution of of it. It's here, so there's no point <laughs> umming and ahhing about how how bad it is. This is this is this is just a reconfiguration of the same thing. And Cap, what were you saying? Oh yeah, I wanted to kind of chip in with a possibly slightly controversial point of view in that I would rather that they'd given everyone the magic 14 and then left learning skills in. Because I think learning skills, you know, yes, they kind of you know, sucked. But what they did do and what was interesting about them is they gave you a way of buying in on a an axis of delayed versus immediate gratification, where you could kind of say, okay, well, um, I'm going to I'm going to want to train these at some point. That is an absolute given because it you know speeds up all of the training for everything else. But deciding when to train them and to what rank 
was quite interesting in that you could say, okay, well, I want to be like combat effective, like within the first week. So I'm not, I'm going to ignore learning skills completely. I'm going to get combat relevant skills so I can get out in a frigate and I can go and have some fun. Or you could say, you know, okay, and maybe more relevant for a, for a second character, you'd be like, right, learning skills first, I want to maximize my SP return. Or as with probably many of us around the period where learning skills were present, you know, you do the, the basic ones to fall really early on, you'd kind of train for a bit, you'd get yourself to like a nice position for like a cruiser, maybe reach into T2 guns a little bit, and then you'd come back and you'd do the advanced ones to four, and then you'd carry on training a bit more. And then you, when you were looking down the barrel of skills like Battleship 5 or, you know, any of the big uh, skills to get you into things like command ships, then you'd come back and you'd finish them off to get your maximum learning rate. And I thought that was far more interesting then oh okay well you just can't fit the ship to be competitive unless you've trained the skill to five so like, you know. what one sec I, I see your point and i think you were the first guy ever to make a good point for the learning skills right i'm actually surprised i'm like hmm, actually that's a good point but i think it's only a good point in 2007 Right? Where there's not <laughs> where there's not 90 of the player base that you have to catch yeah. up to as yes. a player right yeah this, well, is, this is a two things. Two things. Uh, a, a, a simple one first is that uh, uh, something that's in the minds of a lot of potential new Eve players about Eve is, well, isn't everybody else like ten years ahead of me at this point? So what's the point? And to some extent, yeah, you know, there's there's a, I mean, even somebody who's played for like two years, uh, that looks like a daunting task ahead to try and catch up and there is some catching up aspect to it being able to fly a multitude of ships rather than just two frigates for six months is it, it is a necessity to be able to in, enjoy this game nobody wants to just fly the same couple of ships for several months unless you're some kind of a self-hating care bear who seen my sea kill <laughs> <laughs> and uh, something else about it is another way of looking at it, which is a little bit more painful about things like learning skills, is that essentially the, 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 the slowness of your training in the future, the things that you've missed out on that everybody else has gained, is sort of a punishment for not having done something boring to begin with. So it's kind of like choose your choose your punishment. Do you want to uh, have an unhappy time now, or do you want to have an unhappy time later? Yeah, I don't really I like that. I agree. I agree. So That's I, I've, got like, I've got two kind of counterpoints to that. Um, one, I would only propose learning skills exist if the Magic Fourteen were already given to every character, um, and I think this has one major benefit, which is that suddenly fitting for uh, ships and modules is absolutely consistent, which I think is something that I see even experienced players get lost in. You know, I, I have people who will ask me, why, why doesn't my doctrine ship fit? You know, and these are people who have been playing a very long time and they have a lot of SP and they just didn't have, I don't know, shield upgrades five. And that just makes the fit not working five. Somebody yeah, exactly. Things. And That's and so if you if you suddenly you've come to a, a place where 
Now, all of the ships, I can say, this is its power grid value. This is how much a gun is going to cost to fit into it. This is how much a shield extender or a plate or whatever. I think that is a massive experience improvement for new and fairly experienced players alike. Um, and the other uh, kind of counterpoint I would make is that in the era of skill injectors, the opportunity cost of learning skills is nowhere near as brutal as it was because you can make the uh, the 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 plan of right i'm going to train fun slash combat effective skills and maybe some initial learning skills and then i'm going to go and make some misc i'm going to go and get myself a couple of skill injectors and i'm just going to inject them and suddenly you're back up at the top of the curve but you've had to do a bit of planning and i think in some ways, being introduced to the brutal reality of you have to plan quite a lot in this game to get anywhere interesting in a very small, condensed way like learning skills did was quite instructive. Now, whether they needed to, you know, whether how much SP they took and how long they take to train, whether that was fair, I think is, is a more nuanced question. But I think that there was a lot of um, value in inculcating a mindset early into the player experience that if you can capture without as as phantomite said kind of creating this punitive experience for being new i think there's there's strong value there so that that's how i would propose having that new player you know instead of my new player having to train power grid 5 and cpu 5 which they do have to just do at some point and they're not very interesting much like they would have to do learning skills at some point and they're not very interesting why not give them all of the skills that put them in the pilot seat faster and then say okay but now you're going to have to think about planning ahead a little bit um and whether you do do it by training whether you do it by earning isk you know that you've you've yeah, I think I'm. Yeah, yeah. I I would argue that's kind of what they they're kind of aiming to do, right? giving them the skills. I, with the, I mean, I, the... I I I do think that if you want to, if you're looking to set an expectation with new players about planning ahead, I think that a very painful truth, even though I like that, I think that a painful truth that we probably have to accept is that the modern gamer doesn't want to play a game that requires that of you or at least if it does require that of you that it just slowly leaks that into your head subconsciously rather than presenting you as you start the game with right better get ready to plan three months ahead otherwise you're not playing this game and so they're just not going to play they're just not going to play i would argue okay. It's the current average gamer that doesn't like this. So the if player base is getting older, it's way older than the average player base, right? So I would argue maybe when these guys get a little older, maybe Eve would be a little bit more interesting, right? Who knows? The I don't think the meta in in terms of player uh, like behavior or player or gaming um, culture or whatever is developed either right it takes a while too <laughs> so let's see like currently i do believe you're right currently people are all about the like the next hype game right is it fucking uh, cyberpunk uh, whatever right or is it what like everyone jumps on those onto those trains but that might very well end at some point too and people would be looking for games that say like yeah like 
we made this game, but we stick into it and we try to make it work forever, right? So I might be worried that we're not coming to the end of that era. I might be worried that it will always be there to a degree. I I might war. I think I'd be. I'm more worried that the evolution, the natural evolution of the video game as a product, is just always working itself down to it, it, it's like a race to the bottom because that is what makes the human mind light up is uh, things that are far more more basic and instant gratification and as long as the human mind stays the same video games are going to be trying to push that same button in the head i i don't know i don't know there's always going to be to a degree a lot of people will, especially young people. It's just too easy to, you know, get some fun in. Like, just queue up and shoot some dudes, right? Uh, but I think a lot of people can value the, like, if there's there's real value on the, or like, something at stake, which is the case in EVE. I don't, I don't know any other game where, like, something real is at stake. Otherwise, other than playing real competitive games, right? If you play CS competitively or be it StarCraft or whatever, there's real stakes there, right? That's where you get the shakes too, right? Well, that's social to a large degree unless you're playing for money. <laughs> it's a it's social aspect that's at stake. In uh, when you play competitive? Okay, when there's when there's physical yes. at stake, that's that's different, but yeah. I agree. Like, there's something at stake, even if you play competitive without any prize money, right? Your name is on the line, basically, right? So it's you want so to make it, a, that, that's a social aspect, isn't it? Exactly. That's really? yeah, yeah, I agree. I suppose you could boil what we do in Eve down to being pursuing a social aspect anyway, couldn't you? You know, it, I want to be better. To so he looks at me and, and goes, oh, he's the best. To a degree, that's definitely true. Yeah. I think one of the one of the things that kind of uh, one of the puzzle pieces in this discussion is you know that as a company and in the provision of the game um it it, it is possible for ccp to have an overt uh, recognition that there are people coming to eve or you know as they would to any game looking for something you know, looking for different things uh, or looking for things in different amounts. Um, and I think it's it's been uh, much trotted out, but th uh, one of the companies that has done in this aspect a really good job um, in, in both recognizing that players come to their game for different things and almost explicitly categorizing them into different archetypes and then in their patching and in their content creation holding each of these architects types in mind so that each of them feels to some degree served by any major content cycle is um is grinding gear games the the the, the, the company that make path of exile and you know they have been quite explicit in saying you know look we have people who are super hyper competitive and what they want is they want a leaderboard they want to compete they want their name up in lights as the number one rank of something you know and, and i guess in eve our equivalent would be like the tournament crowd right they they really like that high intensity uh, planning and strategizing and uh, strong focus on individual skill and team execution and communication that the at uh is the, is the kind of in some ways the, the the pinnacle of in at least in formalized context in eve and then you have people who 
really like crafting. So they, you know, they're looking at adding new features that you can bolt onto armor or weapons or whatever. And and in Eve, we very much have a same same kind of category of people, the the builders who are uh, much maligned as empire builders in uh, in current current eve in certain circles like they they like putting stuff together they like putting processes in place infrastructure pipelines resources whatever they they want to have a thing that they can say at the end of the day i made this this is mine and i made it you know you've got the the people like me who who thrive on uh complex uh, scenario analysis and and theory crafting like fittings and doctrines and um and how to how to execute them and then that feedback loop where you take it into battle and and it, it you know it, it works kind of it works brilliantly or it falls apart and you, you've got that whole cycle where you're like okay well what went wrong what went right how do we fix it how do i make this better how do i make this you know more uh, less brittle because brittle is something that a lot of fleet comps in eve are it's one of the reasons i, I feel that um when you get to larger and larger scales, everything just becomes DPS and Logi, um, because anything, any other complexity, you have this brittleness. You know, like I don't, my I don't have a Hugin anymore. My comp, my comp no longer works because I can't range control slash apply. That's the right. thing. <laughs> end, end fleet kind of thing, right? Um, and there, there is a big issue I think in in the combat ecosystem that so many doctrines of any interesting complexity are so brittle like the the evolution of your uh, stuka doctrine you know where you slowly added in things like harpies and retributions for anti-support and you know like that was one of the few examples i felt of a doctrine where complexity was sufficiently additive to be worth the extra operational cost in organizing and managing um what else you've got like um, I, I love that kind of stuff by the way yeah, but you know, so so the point is that even even with the few parallels I've drawn, like there are clearly archetypes of player in Eve that you can you can kind of reason about what it is that attracts them to the game, and you can design and and improve and alter and you know revamp with them in mind. And I, I kind of feel that CCP is in some way missing this. Uh, this framework of player categorization and and therefore understanding, you know, like all of the small gang uh, guys who kind of have slowly bled out over the last few years because there just hasn't been that abundance or 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 even like fairly light levels of availability of small scale content. You can't ease where well, you can now because the ESS has come in and given given them that that. Um, that that place to have those small engagements but i don't to... like that a space has been defined for those people yes okay <laughs> that this is i mean and that that's and also that's an issue with the pvp abyss right but but the point is that prior to that there were very few avenues for players to express that gameplay style um and that was kind of due to the overarching meta and and the agglomeration um of of uh mainly null groups because that is where most conflict in the game happens um you know if you've suddenly gone from okay this region has five alliances each of which has somewhere between 50 and 100 players and you know this one lives here and that one lives there and i know that if i go to the boundaries of any of these two i can probably find someone who's also looking to raid between alliances or you know there, there was much more conflict surface area when there were more smaller alliances and then as due to the nature of the the pressure of n plus one those smaller alliances have kind of 
have teamed up against each other and and you know agglomerated into the largely the the big blocks we have now today a lot of that surface area where aroma could just kind of come in and find something to do went away um so so if anything there tcp has done a really good job of of supporting the builders um or at least one flavor of the builders because there are other kinds of builder right um and and kind of lost track of the other styles along the way and i feel like until they can get the game reset to a nice point where all styles are well featured and then maintain that state by keeping each of these kind of archetypes of player in mind in their future content patches um it's going to be a bit yo-yo you know and there's going to be like the the null crabs are going to be upset and up in arms and in fairness you know why shouldn't they be like the subjective experience of your your small your small uh you know small holder as it were your 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 newer player in their in their ishtar has 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 degraded non-trivially or you know like someone who who wants to mine and then suddenly there's no offer for them to mine anymore um you know but yeah i uh i agree i think just sort of monologuing there <laughs> that's <laughs> totally fine like i've been i've been monologuing uh on this like for way too many times <laughs> so you know, you know, be, you know be, be, before uh, just a few hours ago uh cap said to me that he didn't think he had enough to talk about to come on the show <laughs> well but, you're, but, but cap you you doing very you're very good you know what you're talking about yeah. <laughs> By the way, so since we're talking about like CCP changes and all that stuff, there's some uh, like Hobo League stuff, right? And I actually took the yes, screenshots. Actually, and... I haven't even seen it yet. So I'm so going to put Cap, the screenshots. Cap told me about some of it, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to put the t uh, screenshots actually uh, on screen. And I'm um, like always like a little bit of a disclaimer, right? If it's Hobo League stuff, it doesn't mean that's exactly what's coming. But history has shown a lot of times that's exactly what's coming or like something similar or so right so it, uh, a lot of times it can tell like what they're working on or what they're looking at so in this case it looks like another type of storm which is kind of interesting right the storms have been an addition i think i don't think they have created any content but i don't think they've heard either so um i'm not sure if the storms have any kind of influence on anything at the moment that might just change at some point. I don't know. I mean, I I I said when when these storms came out that I said I said why don't these storms affect infrastructure? Why don't I? I mean, you know, a, 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 it would be very interesting for a storm to roll in and have effects on the infrastructure of the area. It might be uh, that way. A storm could be something that that forces a enemy alliance to say oh we, we got to go now we've got to attack this space now because there's a storm on it it would be something that f could force sort of largely unplanned with the wind um, back interaction yeah i mean that, that, that I, I think that would be awesome but these storms don't do anything to the infrastructure of these places they do nothing to citadels and gates and things like that why didn't they design it so that the storms come in and blow away all of the sparkly <laughs> things that make ansiblexes work <laughs> the sparkly things i don't know you know i've not thought about that too much That'd be far more say. interesting that would do far more to uh make people you know what take opportunities <laughs> maybe okay. 
that's coming at some point. Maybe. Okay, well, I'll their mindset what, is now on it's, 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 I'm, I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's not NDA breaking for me to 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 tell you what CCP isn't doing. <laughs> Then definitely not you know, reading on storms. I, I, it's, uh, yeah, I, um, I, I said this in the lead up to it being made made public. Why doesn't it do this? And it's just kind of, uh, well, it does this. But and so that's it. That's it. Here it is. Great. But hopefully, <laughs> my, so let's let's assume there's no there's like storms really don't do anything, which is the case at the moment. I feel like I don't want to be too drastic about it. I'm sure someone had some fun. Well, they, with some of them stop you from cloaking. <laughs> so, so just just on that, I think the one that stops you from cloaking should shut down Ansiblex coming off what you just said, because the, what the, clo the no cloaking means you can't cloaky camp and you can't have all of these uh, sneaky eyes that you would normally have. Right. But you, what you could do is you could give it symmetry by saying, okay, well, but now the defenders can't get there as fast. So you are at more risk as the hunter, but the defender is also at more risk because their support can't arrive as conveniently as it normally does. I you think that would be a really nice way of balancing that effect because that is the only effect that people have talked to. You know, I've seen people talking about and they've just been like, I don't like this one. I'm not going near this. I can't travel through this. It's not safe. I don't like it. And this I mean, is people who are hunter mindset rather than, you know. I, I can come up with a bunch of stuff that would be more interesting. And I'm sure that with with some people refining it, it'd be better. Why don't, why isn't there a storm effect that shuts down the fluid routers and so makes local not work in the systems? Why isn't there a storm that, 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 that stops the ansiblexes from working? Why isn't there a storm that makes all of the asteroids radioactive so they start doing all a little bit of uh, smart bomb damage meaning that you can't use drones so, so my hope why is... isn't there one that why isn't there one that obscures your d scan <laughs> so what i wanted to say was actually so let's assume they don't have any big influence like ccp would recognize they haven't been in the game for all that long and as we already said like the meta has to develop let's see what people can do with it now everyone seems to be busy with this war right so like maybe that meta development is slowed down even more uh, so it, hopefully it's it's a nice soft launch of the concept i think is kind of what you're getting at like them yes. not doing a hopefully. lot is quite a good way of introducing the player base to them as a concept and then once you see whether the player base has any significant change in behavior around them then you start to get a sense of okay well how extreme can we make this effect and then you know i have hope that round two of storms will start having more interesting effects which i think actually segues quite nicely into what this new storm might do if i have read the hobo leaks correctly which is that they have introduced a new kind of a resource called a temporal resource um, which is ice um, and so my reading of this is that either following on after the storm or while the storm is presence present there will be ice to mine that um, sounds interesting and, you see, and that, that sounds more interesting yeah but i but i think that this is this is this is this ties in much, much more with what you were saying about making the storms do something and there has been a lot of speculation about how they might be um roped into dynamic resource generation um but i think even beyond that what 
I would like people to notice and think about is that this would be the first resource carrot ever since they went down the the stick route um, because you know people have been saying that the ice belts are not respawning they're or they're much smaller and so this might be the start of of ccp moving to the okay yes we've started you know depopulating some of these stocks or some of these um like uh constant incomes in terms of what players can access um and now we're going to to, to start moving them over to the new how we want them to appear in the game from now on yeah i mean i don't i've i've not heard about the 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 new commodity thing but um like i think that makes sense i guess i wonder if we would see then like a nomadic ice mining camp you know they just travel with the storm and just mine ice all day <laughs> that would be that would be something new right I mean, but the the other thing that makes you or makes one speculate in that direction is that they've got ice storm filaments. They have made ice storm filaments. Yeah. That's so, true. you know, is this going to be the case of, you know, you can do like a, a nomadic insertion to wherever that storm is, wherever that might take you, and then either try and fight there or try and because it, it does have combat changes as as you can see on the stream or do you or do you try and gather resources there and then try and extract them similarly via filaments or, or by more conventional routes i i've just had a i'll bring up the I, filament thing one sec i've just had a thought about this and because it's ice storm so you know disclaimer i i, I this on on hobo leaks is the first that i'm 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 learning of this here i'm wondering is this just a christmas event thing oh that's the other the other that possibility could, that could actually be true yeah you might be right but they also, have said you it is a christmas it is a sorry, Christmas event thing, uh, thing because you can see it's the Christmas the reindeer names again. It is. It's a Christmas event Dasher, thing. Dancer, yes. Prancer, Vixen, and so much like filaments were originally only a Christmas thing, these are special. This this looks like special Christmas Best. filaments that makes a little bit of a. It makes it a little bit like a Thunderdome. Wherever the storm is, people can yeet themselves into this christmas thunderdome of bit of null i guess that's what this looks like to me in that case but it's high sec filaments too so high sec ice storm filament so oh, is there going to be an ice storm and ice sec that you can filament to that why they have weak and strong i mean i you guess the other see. thing like uh, with their having talked about how they want to use events as a way of testing ideas out in a time-limited format that then might become a more permanent feature. Is this them starting to test, okay, well, what can we do with storms? How will players engage with them if we make them more interesting by giving them a unique resource or you know, a unique abundance of a resource or giving them a unique access method? Um, so I, uh, I mean, broadly, in terms of the the way CCP has been engaging with uh, adapting and it, um, adding content to the game, I feel like this year has been quite positive. Not necessarily because I've liked all of the changes they've made, but because I've liked 
what I understand to be the logic behind how the changes are being introduced. Um, struggles with the economy uh, outcome uh, aside, because that's always going to be a tough pill to swallow. And there are still certain like obvious holes in that that I'm, I mean, I'm hoping that there's going to be a re resource inversion at some point. And because to my mind, it makes much more sense that the, the boundaries of unknown space are heavily abundant in low end materials and the empires are much more likely to have uh, put themselves near high abundant, you know, high value abundant deposits because they are hard. Mega corporations have already got the best stuff. Exactly. So, you know, I, I would have thought that would make it uh, more sense. There was actually a, buried in one of the, you know, voluminous Reddit threads on this topic. There was a, a really interesting uh, outline of how the, how one Redditor envisaged the resource distribution, which was effectively as you went from safer to uh, less safe space, the, uh, the mineral uh, M3 and you know, value per M3 went down, but the, the M3 abundance went up. So you had, you know, small amounts of Zydrine and Megasite in HiSec. You had, you know, moderate amounts of, of Noxium and Isogen in, in, in LowSec, which is kind of what we've got now. Even the further out you go, the better it rewards organization and cooperation. Yes. And, 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 and also that they, their proposal was that I think bounties only exist in empire controlled space. So, you know, you might either have to haul dog tags back into Empire to get ISK, um, or indeed there are no bounties for killing pirate factions inside a region that the pirate faction controls that Concord has no interest in, but your remuneration there is in some material instead of in ISK. So there's a kind of a net flow of materials into HiSec, and there's a net flow of ISK out from HiSec to, to NullSec. But I just thought it was it was an interesting way of considering how you do um, regional economy in a in a more security status based rather than local region based uh, approach. Yeah, I agree. Um, so the, the, there's a third thing. I'm not sure if that has any uh, any impact on anything, but there's a there's another implant set that's maybe coming, but I think extra cap recharge. I mean, how impactful can it be for maybe for uh, caps? Right? I mean, maybe for this, this this potential implant set makes me a little bit bitter because while I, you know, while while uh, an opinion more that a lot of people know know I have <laughs> is even more bitter, even bitterer. Um, I, I, as you all know, I've always been of the opinion that, for instance, capital cap boosters are the number, the by far the number one biggest problem with the way capital ships have been have been developed uh, five years ago. Um, and you know, I, I I feel that triage was so much more player skill intensive and interesting to fight against when it was recharge based, and this feels like they are just adding a fix on top of a stack of fixes to make the original concept they had work rather than just going back to what was good which is a lot simpler um but i mean sure yeah great but it it doesn't get it doesn't solve the problem of capital cap boosters making capital ships essentially immune 
to subcapital newting at small and medium scales. Outside of wormhole space where you need- Outside of wormhole space with your yeah. 5 billion-isk Balgorns. Yeah, where you have the time. Yeah. In wormhole space, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're yeah. going to get surprised, right? You have the time to actually say, okay, let's new this one out for the next 10 minutes and then, you know, <laughs> we can see what happens. I so, so this is kind of just looping back to the idea about player archetypes. This is one of the interesting changes that I think really uh, demonstrated how CCP don't have that kind of thinking in mind, because to to consistently execute a four capital injector armor triage or a three capital injector shield triage for the duration of a wormhole fight is incredibly difficult. And so it, it is something that people spend hours on the test server and live server practicing because you basically, you you are at zero cap outside of injection. Like that is the abundance of capital of, of capacitor warfare on field. You have no cap. So if you want your hardness for running shield, you have to have immediately fired them after you've injected. So you have to match cycle times. You know, you, you're fully passive on armor, but you, I guess the point I'm making is that that was like an apex player mechanical skill role that was completely removed when they did the capital cap booster change. Now, I think the capital cap booster change, the way they did it was terrible. Um, that's partly because I have like a, an incredibly lengthy ballast document about a different way of achieving what I thought was the same goal. But I think in reality, the problem in 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 uh, in sort of subcapital fleets in in K space um, more in null I think in low sec because obviously the the scale and the time duration are a bit different in in low sec again um, is that you just don't bring newts to in any of your fleets you don't bring enough newts to actually credibly threaten the capacitor pool of a fax if it's got multiple injectors whereas in wormhole space you assume that there's enough capacitor pressure to to completely cripple anything other than a max injector fit, um, and 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 that capacitor warfare exists regardless of whether there's a fax in the fight or not, because in the in the lower uh, hole classes like C4 and down, often there isn't a fax in the fight, but you still have you know 500, 600, 700 plus hundred uh, minus cap a second worth of cap pressure in your fleet, because that's how you because the fight is is slower that's how you you win you you know you you slowly chew down people's ability to run tackle to run prop you slowly get on top of their logic um so i feel like to to address the problems of okay i have 70 ferox i can't kill anything because my opponent has one fax and they're reasonably good at using it um without breaking that like apex super bling end required a solution of significantly more nuance than what was enacted because what was enacted i feel didn't address the fax power in like the fax wall context i think that was only the stacking rep thing and i think that did a good job um but yeah i think you just you just ruined a, a section of gameplay and you still didn't really hit much of the problematic stuff and again, I, I I stick by it from a low sec point of view, the way that triage worked previously, which was fully recharge based. And let's not forget, was combat refitting based as well, was far more interesting from both the user and the people uh, attacking it. I, I agree, but like, I'm not sure if you, I think Phantomite, you know, but I had CCP rise on like a couple 
like a while ago and i asked them exactly that what are the chances that we get combat refitting back an exemption and when you're in triage there's no chance or just when you have one i mean I, I would really like to know, do you know what, maybe, maybe I'm going to pose the question now. I would really like to know what the specific problems with combat refitting were. Now, so what if he, he said... was to say, if he was to say, for, as an example, Macarials being able to refit to do every single long or short range role and various types of e refitting their E-war and tank and everything like that. I get it. That sounds terrible. But... Uh, we destroyed so, a completely skill-based um, uh, aspect of the game when that happened. With, so the argument, the argument he brought up was there is a certain way fitting works in EVE, right? So you have a ship pull, it has so much, much power grid, so much CPU. You can increase power grid and CPU with mods. You give up um, slots for it, right? Be it a CPU, whatever, right? Um, but you set out with a set, like you fit it once for the and then you undock and then you go. So his argument was, or the general argument, I guess, from CCP was that um, the second you give one hull or one ship type the ability to then suddenly switch uh, the fitting would just lopsided the whole setup. And I was a little confused by that argument. Okay, I, I don't get it yet. Are you going to tell me that there's a big reveal here as to? No, so, like that was that was basically it. But so, but it was great. We loved it. We loved doing it, and it scaled with player skill rather than just simply scaling with numbers. That's yeah. uh, that's a much much longer conversation. Numbers versus player skill versus uh, yeah. Um, I think there there was a way to have your cake and eat it. And that way was to try and uh, build a system where an individual fax gasses out like they do with the one cap now. And your ideal scenario was having a small team of them in place of that single super strong one and having some kind of in and out of tri triage weaving. Um, where you would have limited combat refitting because you would be decycling and you would have the combat timer down, um, but you wouldn't have it as as good as as it once was where you could just do it at will um and that was certainly the focus of of the proposal that i tried to put together was that okay the facts was very strong like i'm not going to argue about that i think it was too strong but the reason it was too strong is because it was it was too much on one player on one account and yes there was a huge amount of mechanical skill that went into really taking that to its limit but it's a multiplayer game and, and that power should be spread across multiple players. Um, which is what refitting, which is what weaving triage did. It, it, yeah, but, it so, but, you, but so you can create, you can create a weave with the current facts without combat refitting. It, it's just not difficult. The same, though. It's not the same though. With combat refitting, it required that you make choices as to whether you were getting capacitor or resists or a mixture of both. It required that you make that decision and you perform it at the same time. The way that they designed facts after getting rid of combat refitting was, well, they're going to need uh, resists. So give them the resists and also give them the capacitor at the same time by giving them capital cap boosters. That's not been a fair trade for what they used to be. I mean, in the in the context of, 
of this proposal I'm, I'm talking about you the way you address um decisions about capacitor boosters versus batteries and regen is you increase the cost of the reps so that you can't inject rep and so what you do is you set up a system where um the the triage team as it would then be has to decide um who's going in and out and when and whether they are going to include injection and thus uh, create a, a a lumpiness to their ability to repair or whether they go for for buffer and recharge like cat pool and recharge only and then have the vulnerability that if the if the opposition does bring enough new power your entire system shuts down so i think you you can rebuild a lot of the meaningful choices but it is quite complicated to do um and yeah and they well, didn't you know I, I i don't know how much experience you you what? had with the old triage weaving but uh, tell you what it was very complicated to perform as one of the triage pilots and it really was an opportunity to shine i think we should we should maybe move away from triage because this is a very this could go on a very very long time i, feel, I also have the feeling like i think we're going to get stuck in this discussion I have to it's go for a back, so. anyway. So yeah, yeah we actually we actually already over time anyway. Okay. Uh, so I would say we just uh, cut it here and uh, leave the the carrier discussion or the, the trias trias discussion for another day. Maybe I mean I've talked about it so many times on this podcast. I can't even like capitals in general. The balance is a little bit whatever, right? I think uh, that a lot of them fell down from they don't and actually this is this is a more general point a lot of the um with the addition of lots of new ship classes a lot of the original niches and roles of different hulls relative to each other have kind of been um not eroded or or even diluted but kind of like um superimposed so that so the the what each ship does now has more overlap with what other ships do um and capitals are one of the most extreme examples of this where you know carrier kind of doesn't really have a a strong role certainly in like big scale capital brought okay yes space superiority fighters but like if you can't deploy fighters they're useless like you know there is no capital e-war platform and or dedicated platform um you know and and then you look at titans and you're just like ccp gave a ship almost everything they could think of and then and then it turned out to be a little bit uh nuts when someone put several hundred of them on the same grid um and they you know they've 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 focused like super carriers up a bit more but i think there's a lot of vagueness still in 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 how all of them fit together Definitely bring back some capital purpose by letting them shoot citadels without the citadels papping them off the grid. Yeah, well, that's another. That's <laughs> a, you know what? <laughs> Capitals and citadels, like, it's an endless discussion, I think. Like, we could talk about it that is. for like five hours straight and not come to the perfect solution. And I want to I wanna end it also saying it's not easy. Right, we always we're talking about changes. It's not easy to to hit the nail on the head, right? So, yes, CCP has made mistake, but they made like some really good changes recently. So I'm hopeful yeah. they will look at 
uh, those big things too. And they're looking at that. I know they're looking at citadels. I know they're looking at capitals, but uh, they need to be careful too, right? So hopefully um, we're going to see some uh, changes to uh, both of those in the next year. And uh, like, I think nobody here wants to like shit on CCP just uh, because you know they made some mistakes in in some areas. So it, uh, a lot of the like the the problems with citadels are very complicated in terms of scale. Very complicated in terms of how do you juggle different time zones against each other. That's that's probably the, the hardest problem. Every of, place though. Of 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 citadels, yeah, exactly. They they they're there. They're always there somewhere, or something that fulfills their function is. Um, and I think capitals. The, the hardest part is that they were kind of left where they were for so long. Not so much that they were in a, a hugely problematic position, or that they can't be put in a much better position. But it's just that the the status quo in some ways has become so entrenched that it's it's going to be really difficult to move them to a better place without making that feel really bad for people who have them along the way. I think that's the that's the thing that I would say about about some of the like the positions where they have made mistakes. They're not they're not uh you know they can go somewhere better, but yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that's all good. Alrighty guys. I would say let's cut it cut it right here then. Um thanks both of you for showing up. Um and we should totally do, uh, do that again because obviously we don't have a problem finding topics to talk about. Because <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't I literally didn't write down uh like more than like five um five lines like which is like we should be talking about and I think we talked about three of them so um I enjoyed it very much. Thanks, you guys, for coming on. I hope the guys on stream enjoyed it. And uh, I would say see you guys on the next one. Thanks, Bye. Thank you, everybody. Oh, and the guys on... Um, for everyone who uh, watches uh, like videos and stuff like this, like I had to delete all my highlights from Twitch. The whole DMCA thing is going on, right? So I played the careful road and said like, eh, better delete everything. But I'm re-uploading them all to uh, YouTube as like a little bit of an archive thing. And I decided instead of dumping like 70 videos all at once onto YouTube, I'm just going to uh, like add them all like one day at a time. So every day from today on, every day there's going to be one of the old highlights coming up. So for those who are uh, curious and want to see those, uh, there's some good old Stuka footage, some small scale stuff, like all kinds of shit in there. So uh, for those who are interested in that, check it out. And see you guys around. Let's see who we can host.